I want to just take a moment to introduce uh, Dwight and Lynn Lagore, uh, the founders of uh, Sam Ministries, which are in both in Mozambique and also in Brazil. And uh, the incredible work that we experienced when we went to uh, Mozambique this year was astounding, uh, as you remember me sharing about that uh, many, many uh, weeks ago. But uh, Dwight and Lynn are here. They've been in Mozambique since 1993, I believe, in Africa since 87, right around there. And uh, that's uh, 27 years. I should remember that because I've been married since 1993, so that's, that's pretty good. I can always keep in mind as to you guys being there. But why don't you welcome uh, this amazing man of God. I don't know if you're both coming up or if you're just coming up. And uh, let's just welcome him as he comes to preach and to share the Word of God with us today. Amen. Uh, it's, it's really been awesome to be back. Uh, we've been back since December. And uh, my wife and I have had a chance to uh, enjoy some uh, Christmas season with our family. Uh, this is probably uh, uh, the first year, first in five years, first in four years that we haven't been able to be back for Christmas. And uh, for good reason. Uh, any of you who stuck your nose out the house this morning know that reason. <laughs> A white Christmas is overrated, guys. <laughs> in any case, uh, we are uh, grateful to be back and... Uh, it's been a bit of a challenge, and my wife was back in October, and uh, we uh, came back and had the chance to then celebrate uh, Christmas together with my mom and dad uh, and all the brothers together. Um, it's a bit of a challenging time for us. Uh, my mom has been uh, identified with end-stage dementia, and so we covet your prayers. Uh, they were missionaries for almost 40 years. And, uh, and so, yeah, it's been very special but also challenging time uh, to be with them and to be back home. Um, in early December, uh, I returned. Lynn had returned in October. And uh, I, we had a chance to uh, visit my son in Minneapolis and his family and meet our fourth grandbaby. Uh, so uh, as we have been on the mission field, you know, things have happened. Our kids have grown and the grandbabies are on their way, and it's, it was a really special time to meet Abigail, little baby girl. And so uh, then, then, then we came up, up uh, for Christmas. Uh, but just before leaving Mozambique, and uh, I, I have to say, Josh and Chelsea wanted me to be sure to bring their greetings to you guys. Uh, they, uh, they said uh, to make special mention that the grounding they got here in the church... Uh, and in youth ministry is really serving well for them as they get connected with the youth and the ministries uh, there in Mozambique. And it's been awesome to see them starting to get traction, uh, even though they have come through a lot of challenges. And please don't stop praying for them, okay? Uh, we uh, just, I, in fact, I was just communicating with them this morning. They were just on their way to South Africa this week uh, for Josh's orthodontic appointment. So pray for Josh as he goes through this procedure uh, in the next coming months uh, so that they can uh, sort things out for his jaw uh, and that the Lord will just touch him, as we heard this morning. Um, send his word and heal him. Uh, we trust for that. Just before leaving Mozambique, um, Jose, who the guy you saw on the video, uh, wanted to send a greeting back to you. And Jose, uh, that name is Joseph in English, 
So um, we just came through Christmas, so it's kind of appropriate that Joseph sent you a message. Uh, and uh, and his, his message is actually very appropriate also uh, because of the fact that we're here, and I'm here to challenge you about missions. That's what I do. That's what we are. We're, we're, we're missionaries. And so missionaries tend to talk about missions, right? Uh, and so the word that Jose shared is actually what I'm going to launch with this morning because it really is appropriate. Jose shared about the challenge of the call on Jeremiah's life how Jeremiah felt when God called him. In Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4, now I don't know if we're on our PowerPoint. The, uh, the PowerPoint, I'm going to have to look over here to see what it is, is that's on there. Okay, the title of my message is Mission Impossible. Uh, and uh, the word that came to Jeremiah, young man, in Jeremiah 1, 4, was... God said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. It's fascinating to me to note that Jeremiah's response when he got that word from God was the same as most other guys. God, no way. That's impossible. I can't be a prophet to the nations. When God drops his mission on our lives, when he does it on your life, that's going to be your tendency, is to say, forget it, God, that's not possible. But I want to challenge you this morning. Mission Impossible is not just a series of movies that we're going to touch on in a minute, but it was Jeremiah's life calling it was Noah's life calling. It was Abraham's life calling. And just so Moses' life's calling, and uh, just so the ladies don't feel left out, it was also Esther's life's calling. And that was Lynn's and my life's calling. Uh, and I'm here this morning to tell you it's your life's calling. A key aspect of the message that God gave to Jeremiah is another powerful and important truth that I want to touch on before I go into this mission impossible. And I see the slides have gone off, but that's okay. I'm sure they'll come back. The guys are tracking, right? A key aspect to this truth here in this passage that uh, Jeremiah spoke of and that God spoke to Jeremiah is core to the gospel message that you and I have for the world. And that core message is that whether you are born in privilege in North America or whether you're born in poverty abroad, we are all formed by our Creator. You, just like José, Thousands of miles away were formed by your Creator. You are known by your Creator. You are loved by your Creator. You are redeemed by your Creator. And you've been put on the planet for a very specific and important purpose. And that's something you cannot forget in 2020. 
This year ahead, my challenge to you is to remind you that your life's calling is still calling. Whatever station, position, responsibility, or status you find yourself in this morning, you have to know, God's Word makes it very clear, that there is a claim on your life. You were bought with a price, the blood of Christ. But not only is there a claim on your life, there's a cause for your life. Maybe you kind of wonder, what, what, what am I here for? What, what's going on? There's a cause for your life. And when you yield your life to the master of life, he's going to help you know what that cause is. And that's what I'm here to remind you of this morning. Getting back to the other theme that comes out of this, uh, this, this message uh, to Jeremiah is this theme of mission impossible. Now, as I mentioned uh, most of you probably know that Mission Impossible is a series of spy films. Uh, stars a guy by the name of Ethan Hunt or Tom Cruise who heads up the Impossible Missions Force. And he's constantly faced with his team with overwhelming impossible tasks. Interestingly for me, when I did a bit of research on this, I found out that the first movie, now someone has reminded me that there was a TV series before this, but the first movie, Mission Impossible, came out in 1996. And that was the year that my wife and I moved to central Mozambique to start what seemed like something impossible. Since uh, that first movie, there's been six other movies that have come out, and they've raised right around $3.5 billion. That's pretty impressive, isn't it? Uh, I have to say that we haven't raised $3.5 billion yet. Yet. Uh, so clearly, the concept or the theme of an impossible mission is something attractive to people. But I would hazard a guess this morning that an impossible challenge is something that probably makes for a really good movie or it maybe even makes for a really good computer game for those of you who are into computer games. But for a lot of us, in real life, it's a little bit different. When we start to face impossibilities or face the things in real life that seem impossible, it's a huge challenge to us. Maybe it's a challenge to your faith calling. But I'm here this morning to tell you that in 2020 and beyond, there is a mission impossible for your life. And it's important that you don't let anyone tell you any different. Life is harder, more complicated than any of us want to admit. Unless we identify and deal with the reality that what God is calling to us is in fact impossible, many of us will give up. Unless you face the fact that what God is calling us to is, impo is impossible, you will end up in denial, distraction, and in many cases, self-destruction. That's what we see in our world around us all the time. Someone may say to me, but no, Dwight, 
I think you can go to the next slide. No, Dwight, it only seems impossible. But I am here this morning to say, no, the task really is impossible. And you may come back with me that say, no, that's just your opinion, Dwight. But as the verse there says very clearly, Jesus declared it. As we read in Matthew 26, Jesus looked at them, as I'm looking at you this morning, and he said, with man, can you read it with me? With man, this is impossible. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And uh, I know we're in Canada, so we better be careful and say, with mankind, this is impossible. Or maybe we should change it with humankind, this is impossible, right? <laughs> but Jesus said it. And here's the rub. Yeah, there are many impossible tasks that we can achieve because we were created in the image of God, right? And so we were created with some endowments that are powerful. In other words, you were created with self-determination. No one tells you what to do. You can choose what to do. You were created with uh, self-awareness. You were created with the ability to be incredibly creative and you were created with a conscience. And those are amazing, powerful tools. And you know what? There are so many things that human beings have achieved that at once seemed impossible. But I'm here to remind you this morning that the mission that God calls us to really actually is impossible. It doesn't just seem impossible. It is impossible. You see, if Noah... Could build an, Noah, Noah could have probably built an ark, right? I mean, there was wood, there was, I'm guessing there must have been saws back there. There was some way they got, got planks. But I, I'm guessing that even though it may have taken him a lot of years, he could have built that ark. But he had a problem after that. He was asked to then get two of every kind of animal to come into the ark. How many of you know talking to animals is rather a challenge? Right? Abraham could have heard the call of God and he could have left his family and said, okay, God, I'm going to go and obey you. And he could have gone to the place that God called him to. But once he got to that place, do you know what? He still had a wife who couldn't have a kid. And for any of you know, back then they didn't have some of the methods they have today to help women have children, right? So Abraham was on his own with an impossibility. I think you get the point. We can do many things, but to bring a lost son home, to salvage broken relationships, to bring a soul to Christ, to change a heart and mind, to bring transformation into lives takes a divine act of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here this morning and you haven't had an encounter with God, I want to tell you it's a powerful experience. He can transform your life and he can transform people's lives. 
So the natural next question we could ask, and we could go to the next slide, is why would God call us to a mission that is impossible? Why would he do that? I'm going to leave three reasons for you that I hope will help you as you walk into this new year so that you don't quit, okay? The first reason is a very simple one, and that is that you are called to engage the impossible because God wants you to know that you have a partner. For many of us, the normal challenges of life are pretty overwhelming. Sometimes they feel impossible. What for some people seems easy, for others feels very difficult. But I don't know about you, I don't know where you come from. For us, as we launched into Mozambique, I'm going to tell you right now, I knew very clearly and very forcefully that unless God showed up, we were dead. We weren't going to achieve anything unless we had a partner who was pretty powerful. And this is the message of Christmas that we've just come through, guys. We do have a partner. He's called Emmanuel. That's what Jesus was called by the angels, which means God with us. Look at Matthew 19, 26 again. Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. I'm here to tell you this morning something that you know probably, but I'm here to remind you he's come and he's available to be your partner. In fact, Jesus went on further and said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. What do you think Jesus was meaning by that? Did you, do you think that he was talking to Peter and saying, Peter, you can't fish without me? I think Peter probably could have gone back to his nets. You know, he would have had a, probably a few days with empty boats, empty nets. But I bet he would have eked out an existence. He had survived up to that point. Why wouldn't he have done it? But the point is, is that Jesus was emphasizing that we can do nothing of eternal and lasting significance without him in our lives. If you want your life to count... You need a partner, and you need a divine partner. Maybe you are here this morning, and you kind of are in a good place, and you say, I've got life, Dwight. I've got this. I can handle it. If you are here, I want to meet you in a few years, and you'll likely find out I don't got this. I didn't realize life could be this complicated. Not only so, I can guarantee you that if you've got this, maybe you haven't encountered the mission that God has for your life. But that's where the action is, friends. Mission impossible. I'm not here even this morning to tell you I've got this. I'm here to tell you I know the one who stands by my side and really does have this. And I'm here also to say, people, there's a difference between knowing that a partner is available and understanding that you must have that partner by your side if you're going to succeed. In the military, 
That's called a battle buddy. Now, how many of you have heard, but there's actually, if you go, you go online, you can check out YouTube Battle Buddy. It's an incredibly powerful thing that the military found out, and that is they found out you send soldiers as a group into battle, they're not going to be as successful as if you partner them up. And you don't go anywhere without your battle, battle buddy. In fact, they found out that the biggest challenge to most soldiers isn't the enemy, it's themselves. How many of you know that suicide is incredibly common in the military? But they found out that having a battle buddy helps incredibly to overcome suicide. You and I need a battle buddy. <laughs> Jesus said, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. I think Jesus was talking about things that matter, right? 2019 for Lynn and I was filled with overwhelming challenges. The start of the year in 2019, Lynn had just had lung surgery to take out a tumor, and she was just barely recovering from that, and then suddenly she came down with a bout of resistant malaria that was very, very hard on her. And malaria is... Uh, uh, a problem that we have a parasite that kills a lot of people in southern Africa. And so we treated her, and as she finally was starting to come out of that, we got notice from the education department that our school was approved to have grade 7. Only problem was we didn't have classroom space for grade 7, so we had about two weeks to try to build two new classrooms and in very difficult circumstances. So we got stuck in, and you know what? God sent the resources, and we got it done. We got grade 7 going. As we were just kind of getting ready, then after that, starting to get ourselves uh, going, we found out that the government had somehow dropped the ball with our registration process. Josh and Chelsea were here in Canada getting ready to come after their training, their language studies in Brazil. And here we were scrambling trying to figure out what on earth happened. Because of ineptness in government, our registration, our entire registration that we had been working on under for more than 15 years was just not there. And so we had to start all over again. As we got a handle on that and we thought, well, listen, you know what? We're going to be able to breathe again. A cyclone hit. And uh, the cyclone wasn't just any normal cyclone. It was the southern hemisphere's most devastating storm. And it hit and passed just south of us. It was supposed to hit us, but uh, it missed us, I think, because of the prayers of some people. I'm not sure they should have been praying like that. I couldn't pray like that myself because I thought, Lord, if I pray it misses me and hits someone else, uh, that's not very loving. You know, there's, there's a conflict sometimes we have in prayer, isn't there? But this cyclone passed just south of us and it absolutely destroyed communities, killing thousands, more than a thousand people and displacing thousands more. Immediately, we were thrown into the task of flying into dangerous and damaged airstrips to try to get aid and medical relief and uh, medical people, people in and out. Just as we got through that, of course, then there was the challenge of trying to provide 
enough food for people and seed for people so that they didn't face starvation in the year ahead. And all of this, let me just say, guys, puts you in a situation where you feel overwhelmed. We were at the same time by then uh, met with having Josh and Chelsea arrive. Actually, they had just arrived after we got back and, uh, and trying to get them used to a hostile and uh, difficult environment as well as continue with, continuing with the aid work and the training that we have in so many of the communities. Josh and Chelsea accompanied us, and uh, I could tell you some funny times that we enjoyed together, but some difficult times as well as Josh experienced some new foods. <laughs> but right after this, I was called to assist with a lion rescue. Now, when I was called to assist with this lion rescue, rescue was, uh, a lion was trapped, uh, caught in a trap for 10 days, I looked at my job description to see if it included rescuing lions, especially since the guy asked me to help him walk around and try to find this lion in the, in the wild. Um, needless to say, that entire time, my battle buddy was right by my side. Throughout this whole year, and I mean, later in the year, we had the, the blessing of having uh, Pastor Greg and Maddie come out, and uh, that was, that was a, a huge blessing, uh, and our training time. Uh, but throughout this entire year, God has carried us, guys. God's carried us. And I'm going to keep the best news to last, okay? God has carried us. Now... I want to just quickly say, and I, and I, I wouldn't normally share this because I, I think for time's sake, but I, want to, I think it's important. Lee Strobel's in his book, uh, The Cause for Grace. How many, how many of you have read that? He, uh, he tells a story of a, a young Korean girl by the name of Stephanie. And Stephanie, she was abandoned by her mother when she was three years old because she was a child of a military soldier, and, and those children were considered garbage in the culture at that time and in that place. So little Stephanie ended up on the streets at three years old, if you can believe it. She somehow survived, and when she was, in, I think it was around eight, seven, eight years old, somehow she got put into an orphanage, and, she doesn't, and it, was, it was a bit of a miraculous event. She goes on to tell, they, he goes on to tell the story how that Stephanie then had the blessing of a missionary show up at that orphanage who wanted to adopt a child. Stephanie was so badly treated in her life when the missionary bent down to try to show her some love, the thing she did was spit in his face. But you know what? That missionary adopted her took her home. And that wasn't really unusual for her. Stephanie heard about little children being adopted into Korean homes, but most of the time, at that point in time, in place in history, little girls or little boys who were adopted weren't really adopted to be children. They were just adopted to be slaves. Was, they were expected to do all the housework, all the cleaning, etc., 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 and after a few weeks, Stephanie realized that they're not giving me any work. 
They're, they're just giving me food and a nice place to stay and nice clothes, and they're caring for me. They're showing me all this love. What's going on? And one day she was playing with her friend, and she said, I don't understand when my work's going to start. And her friend said, Stephanie, don't you know you've been adopted? Don't you know you have a father, not a master? Hallelujah. You see, guys, you and I have to understand, and Jesus said this in, in, in John 15 as well, that the Father wants you and I to partner with Him. He wants you to, and I to know that, that He is our Father, but we're not just servants. We're partners. And He wants us to know His business. He wants you to be a part of His mission impossible because you're His child. The second thing, second reason that you and I are being called by our Father into a mission impossible is that we must know that we have to learn and grow. We all know, probably all of, most of us know, some of us don't, that we've been created with incredible potential. But like anyone knows, you can't go from addition and subtraction to calculus all in one lesson, right? doesn't work that way. You have to kind of go slow. But another thing that's true is any teacher will tell you, unless you're challenged with more complex material, you're not going to learn more, right? According to educational psychologists, our best learning occurs when we're taken beyond our comfort zones. Unless we're taken out of those comfort zones, we become very comfortable with the status quo in life. Is that where you are this morning? Status quo is not where the excitement happens, guys, not where the action happens. Unless we're taken out of our comfort zones, we don't learn. However, these same psychologists also say that it's important we're not, we're not taken too far out of our comfort zones because then the stress kind of limits or is detrimental to our learning. You know how many times I've questioned God on that? You know, God, uh, I think the psychologists would tell you this is too much. <laughs> I know I need to learn, but not so fast, Lord. And maybe that's how you feel sometimes, but I'm just telling you here this morning that God understands us. He knows what we need to learn. He knows what we need to learn. And He knows the pace in which we can learn it. And often, when you're a student... The teacher seems crazy. How on earth and why would they give me so many assignments? I can't possibly do all this stuff. I can't possibly cram all this information into my head. That's how you feel as a student. So welcome to life, guys. If you're going to learn, you need to be under pressure. And that's what God wants you to know. He's calling you to this mission impossible so that you can Learn stuff. My son, I told you, just had a chance to travel through Minneapolis. My son has a master's degree in biomedical engineering. Okay, now I'm boasting, right? 
I tell you that to say that I don't have a clue most of the time what he's saying to me about some of the projects he's doing. He's a really smart kid involved in MRI research at a research facility in, in the U.S. in Minneapolis, and we just came through there. But I found out something. I'm still his dad. And I still know a few things he doesn't. We actually, uh, while we were there, he wanted to take me to the university. He had to follow up on a project during the Christmas season. So uh, we, 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 we took off for the university, and of course it was... It, Minneapolis is south of here, but it, it doesn't feel much different than this. It was cold and icy and snowy. And as we were driving to the university, a big SUV cut us off. And in order to avoid a collision, my son had to hit the curb. And so he hit the curb and came back. And this kid who was driving his parents' SUV pulled over very nicely, and we exchanged information. We didn't know it at the time, but we actually had broken the control arm on the car. So we drove all the way home. Russell said, Dad, he said, you know, this thing feels a little funny on the highway. And I was going, okay, well, you know, just take it a little easy. We got home, and sure enough, we found out the control arm's broken. Well, you can't drive around with a broken control arm. Anyone who knows anything knows that. And so uh, the next couple days, I kind of backed off, and Russell was busy with the insurance company, seeing if they were going to fix it. We got a quote for like over $2,000. And, uh, and so I knew Russell had to go to work on Monday. So I said to Russell, I said, Russ, I said, why don't we just do the job ourselves? He says, but Dad, I, I can't do that, you know. So I went out, and I took off the wheel, and I started the job. Very quickly, Russell was right there because he loves to engage his hands. He's not one of these guys who thinks your brain is enough. He loves to do stuff himself. And you know what? It took us two days, and we ran into some obstacles that were really, really difficult to overcome. But we were successful. We took that thing apart, and we put a new control arm on it together, and you know what, guys? As a father, that was the most wonderful experience. It's what I'm going to remember of our entire almost week and a half, two weeks in Minneapolis. I got to work with my kid, and we did something. How many of you guys know that your heavenly father wants to do that with you? He wants to engage with you in the impossible tasks. Whatever it is facing you, the call he has for you, he wants to engage you with that because he wants you to learn with him. It's his excitement, it's his joy. You need your battle buddy. Last thing quickly. The last thing you need to remain, the last thing you need to know about why God is calling you to an impossible task is that you have to know that you must remain humble. Now, uh, Mission Impossible films probably don't reinforce the concept of humility, uh, although I haven't seen all of them, so I could have missed something. But I believe. One of the reasons God calls us to Mission Impossible is to make sure that we remain humble. I've periodically, and I don't know about you, contemplated the reality for people who've been given just incredible gifts. 
natural giftings or abilities that make things easy for them. Those who have born maybe or those who have been born into extreme wealth and fame, I can't imagine how hard it is for those people to keep life in perspective. The natural tendency for those of us who experience success, when I say those of us, I should say those who experience incredible success is to become arrogant and prideful. That's just the way it is. I don't judge these people because I know I'm one of them, even though I haven't experienced success yet. I know that probably that would be the tendency is to become arrogant and boastful. Just before launching this project in Mozambique, uh, Lynn and I in 1996 traveled to probably 100 plus churches in Canada and the U.S. And uh, as we traveled, we were excitedly sharing this vision, this mission that God had called us to in Mozambique. And you know, when we shared it, we left the church and uh, it didn't seem like anyone was excited at all about what God had called us to. And it was extremely discouraging and humbling and frustrating. In fact, there were times we left a church and we were driving down the highway and my wife heard things coming out of my mouth that shouldn't have been coming out of my mouth. In fact, the one time she said to me, Dwight, God spoke to me really strongly and he said, don't grumble against Moses. In other words, don't complain to people because this isn't their job. We got to a little community church in rural Saskatchewan and there was a guy there who had an incredible sense of humor. He was a farmer, Roy Steffen, if you ever met him. Uh, but Roy, although he was the simple farmer, he also had an amazing prophetic gift. And after we shared, he prayed with us and he said, you know, I feel like God said, said something to me that I feel like I need to share with you, Dwight. And I said, well, yeah, what is it? He said, well, God's saying that this project, this mission you're taking on is his project, it is, is his mission. But he showed me that as soon as you launch this, he's going to take you into a very deep, dark valley. And in that dark valley, you're going to feel like the sun doesn't shine anymore because it's so deep and so narrow, the sun can't get in there. And you're going to feel abandoned. But then God tells me he's going to take you out of that valley onto the mountaintop and into the sunshine where you see his blessing and where you see the results of the work that he's called you to do. And he's going to do all of this for one reason and one reason alone. And that is so that you realize this is not your work, it's his. I'm here to say, Pastor Greg, that big building is not yours, it's his. This project, you guys are, how many times has it felt impossible? One or tw one, once or twice? Once or twice? How many of you felt that way? Your pastor's crazy, right? Come on, you can put up your hand, he can't see you.
God came to a guy by the name of Gideon in Judges 6 and 7. And he came to Gideon because he wanted to deliver his people from their idols and their enemies. How many of you know we all struggle with both of those things? Idols and enemies. God wants to deliver us from idols and enemies. When he came to Gideon, he said to Gideon, I want you to deliver my people. Gideon's response was the same as all the ones we've mentioned so far. He said, God, that's impossible. Can't do it. When Gideon finally was convinced, and so now he was ready to take on the Midianites, the enemies, God approaches him and he says to him, there's the verse on the screen, I hope, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me my own strength has saved me. It's really important for us as we face the impossibilities of this new year the impossible, uh, to know that these impossibilities are an expression of God's grace to you and I. Because, why? Because when we experience them as impossibilities and when we overcome them, we realize it wasn't us who did it by ourselves. Right? You see, if God just gave you easy stuff to do, you wouldn't have to rely on Him. But giving you these impossibilities are His grace to you because you can then recognize who is the one who really does it. And you can give Him honor. You can give him praise. You can maintain humility. And that's a powerful thing, guys, in life. James 4, 6 says, God, who is, if you don't remember, he is the one who is our battle buddy, right? It says he opposes the proud. So we don't want to, we don't want a buddy that opposes us, right? He opposes the proud, but he shows favor or he gives grace to the humble. So if we want the partner that we need for this mission impossible, we better humble ourselves because we need his unmerited favor in our lives. We need his help to bless us. Not only so, as we maintain humility, it keeps us in a place of learning and growth. If you're proud, you ain't going to learn anything because you think you already know it. Jim Collins, how many of you have heard of him? In his business book, How the Mighty Fall, he talks about, in fact, it's a, a research book about all of the businesses, the big businesses that have failed. These are corporations who no one ever thought would fail because they were just too big to fail. But they fell. And in his research, he says the very first sign of a company that's going to fail is hubris. It's called pride. That's that word. It's a fancy word for pride. You and I need to remain humble. And as we do that, guys, God can work through us. God can work through us. I'm concluding now, so if your stomach's grumbling, we're there. Netsai was a little girl who was born and raised in a rural community called Mokombez, Mozambique. 
Netzai, as a young girl in Mozambique, had little chance of doing much in life. In fact, she was likely going to grow up, probably be abused. At 11, 11, 12, 13 years old, she was going to be married off by her parents to a man who probably already had two or three wives. And the rest of her life would be kind of a life of slavery. That's a life of, of, of labor, hard labor, because the, the senior wives are all, all the ones, you know, they, they have seniority. And so that was, that, was, that was likely the outcome for her. But our dream for these kids is so much more. Our dream for them is and has felt impossible to this point. Every little girl, whether it's an orphan or a school kid, ends up in that future. And you feel like you're hitting your head against the wall. But you know what happened two weeks before I left Mozambique? We had the privilege of going to a graduation and celebrating this little net size graduation. She graduated from teacher's training college as a teacher. The first out of that community. And we know that that is going to open the floodgates. We're confident that that is going, because now at least they have a model of what's impossible. What, 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 someone who, who achieved the impossible, what for them seems like the impossible. Amen. And so I want to, I, I want to thank you guys for your support. Those of you who sponsor kids, uh, many sponsor children through us. And that's, what ha that, that's the opportunity you're giving them, is to achieve the impossible and become partners with God in the even more impossible. Now, I started uh, this presentation this morning with a movie, and I thought to myself, Pastor Greg's not going to like seeing that movie because the missionary is here begging for money. He didn't mind. I wasn't sure. Uh, you know what happened, guys? We uh, needed this truck so desperately, and so we started the project. Thanksgiving Day, a church said, what project can we promote? And so I told them, and they raised 2950 bucks, 5%. It was an encouragement to us, right? That's a, that, that's a chunk, of, chunk of change. And uh, so I said to Josh, I said, Josh, we need to get a video ready so that when I go home, I can share it with the churches. So Josh said, okay. And so he and I got stuck in together. You know, it's a bit of work putting together a presentation like that. So, so you, can, uh, you can rejoice in Josh's efforts. So we had this video all ready to go, all primed. I got it just before I landed. Uh, our, our audio people had finished tweaking it. And uh, I got it, and uh, four days before I spoke in the first church, I got a message from our home church, and it, or from our home mission secretary, and it was a picture of a check. You know how much the check was for? $60,000. How many of you guys know that God cares about souls more than he cares about a truck. You guys, God wants you to engage him. Press in this year, okay? I love two scriptures and take them home with you and, and go and read them and meditate on them. Romans 8, verse 18, 
uh, no, sorry, Romans 4, verse 18, and James 4, verse 8. It's easy to remember because they both got a 4 and both got an 8 in them, okay? Romans 4, 18, and James 4, 8. Romans 4, 18 says, Now I have a blank spot. <laughs> How many of you ever had that? Uh, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed, and so became the father of many nations. Against all hope, in hope, Abraham believed, okay? So when you look at your impossibilities, yeah, against all hope, in hope, believe. And God will bring about what he needs to bring about. And James simply says, come near to God. And he'll come near to you. Come near to God. That's what we had this morning, right? Come near to God. In those moments when you feel like you're facing things that are overwhelming, come near to God and say, God, I need you. I need you to come through for me. And you watch him come through for you. And flow through you to touch a world that so desperately needs the message that you have. God bless you guys. Can you stand with me? We're going to just pray together. I don't know how you guys normally close your services, but we're going to pray together. And then uh, someone else is going to come up here, Pastor Greg? Or shall I just close the service for you guys? Let's, let's, let's just pray. Uh, guys... Whatever it is uh, right now that seems impossible for you, maybe it's a family relationship, maybe it's a friend that you've been praying for, maybe it's a family member that's lost. We've got a few of those situations in our own family. And I'm holding those here. And I want you to put out your hands and you're going to represent those things with a closed hand, first of all. And as we pray, I just want you to open your hands, okay? And I want you just to release those things to your partner and say, you're not only releasing them to your partner, but you're opening your hands to his help. And you're saying, Father, I need you to engage with me this year so that I don't back away from what seems impossible, so that I press in and experience what it is that you want to have happen. Father, this morning we come before you Lord, so desperately in need of you. Just as we started the service singing. Father, we come with all of those things. I bring those things that you know are on my heart and mind. Father, we just open our hands right now. And we say, Father, we, we, we release them to you, but we also, with open hands, embrace what it is that you have for us. We embrace the challenges, we embrace the impossibilities knowing that you're going to help us through. Because through them, you're going to teach us things that we never knew. Even though we're older, Father, we can still learn. We're going to learn new things and we're going to stay humble before you and be who you want us to be. We're going to give you all the glory for what it is that you're going to do. And we give you praise for that today. Father, I just take the liberty right now to bless this church in the name of Jesus. I pray, Father, that you would release your blessing on that building that is happening, Father, on 
all of the needs that are needed to, to, to pay the bills. I ask, Father, that your blessing would be released. Your grace would be there. Father, for the people who need the courage to take the next step. Father, for each of those who need to just open their hands and release the resources. Father, we thank you that this is your work and we are your servants. So, Father, as we walk into this new, new year, we thank you that you walk beside us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, before we go, uh, I don't do this. In fact, I think I've done this one other time in 15 years. We are going to take up an offering right now for this ministry. And you're saying, well, Pastor Greg, we're past time. That We're already, we're done. I've, I've given. I want you to understand something. I'm going to, I'm going to designate this offering. And we're going to designate this offering to Sam Ministries. And uh, we're going to take up another offering. So the offering people are like, we're scrambling right now. What do we do? Uh, Pastor Greg, we've never done this before. I know. But you know what we're going to do? We're going to sow a seed. Because I'm going to tell you, we are living right now in our church building in a mission impossible. I was praying last week and I was saying, Lord, what do you want us to do to break something and open in our, in our giving, to break something open over our church, to break something open in, in this impossible task of finishing this building, God? And I felt the Lord say, it's a seed. You need to sow a seed. And so today, I don't care if it's five bucks. I don't care if it's 5,000 bucks. I don't care if it's 50,000 bucks. I want to take up another offering right now. And we are going to designate this as a seed toward the finishing of our impossible project. Amen? So we're going to do that right now. I don't know if the offering team can get ready and get up here. And Pastor Peter's scrambling. And Michaela, this is your baptism of fire. Kate, everybody. God bless you. Here comes the team. Get ready. You say, well, i got to write a check. Good. We'll take time to do that. We're going to pray a blessing right now. And uh, we're going to just thank the Lord for this incredible ministry that's happening around the world that you are part of. You're a vital part of this church. And so let's pray as we prepare to take up this offering as a seed into Mozambique and into Sam Ministries. And I want you to pray a prayer right now for the, just the impossible things that we're facing in our lives, but also in our church. Amen. So God, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, as you take this seed, Lord, some people are saying, I can't give a whole lot, Pastor. It doesn't matter. I don't care if it's a $5 bill. I just want you in your heart and your mind to lift that up to the Lord as your mission impossible seed. For some of you, it's seeing our building. I think of our building committee, and they're like, whoa, how are we going to get through this? How are we going to do this? That's the seed right now that we're going to sow. But we're not sowing it into our church. We're sowing it into Mozambique to see a harvest come back to us in our impossible situations. So, Father, place that on our hearts and our minds right now. We give you the praise. And we give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So they're going to take their time and they're going to let you, if you want to write a check or if you want to grab five bucks or 20 bucks, it doesn't matter. Just take your time and make sure you, uh, we'll keep an offering plate at the information center in the back. If you are taking your time right now to write a check or whatever, you can give that to Kate 
or to Peter. Kate's in the back corner right over here. You can do that. Take some time to just make sure you sow a seed into this impossible situations that you may be facing, but also for our church family. Amen? Let's do that together. And by the way, God bless you, church. Come back next week. We start a new series called The 2020 Vision. We're talking about some powerful things.